What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We have our Texas Barbell Syndicate Summer Open Recap with Kyle Miller of Project Strength. Kyle was there competing, coaching. Uh, he saw it get set up, so a terrific guy to have on to recap the meet. He's done this before, so you know what to expect. And you have been here for, before, so you know what to expect as well, because we start off the show with talking about the meet itself, the presentation, the atmosphere, the live stream. It was fantastic being there. It's my first time experiencing Texas meet, and Mark absolutely killed it. Fantastic, fantastic meet. We open up the show briefly about that, about spending about 20 minutes on that, because one, some people want to hear, and two, a lot of people pick up ideas from these recaps on the meet itself. So we start there, but of course, the bulk of the show focuses on the lifter we talk about the lifters from the primetime session. We start off with the females with Elisha Gardner absolutely killing up, picking up right where she left off from Collegiate Nationals, winning best overall female lifter, wearing a shirt that called out Steve Denovi. Elisha had a fantastic, fantastic meet, really dunked on two white lights. And we talk about the other female competitors as well because uh, there's a lot of huge lists. Leanne Ramirez uh, breaking unofficial world record on her bench. Really great meet going around there and also on the male side. Of course, we talk about Gage, if you're lost and alone, sinking like a stone, carry on, winning best overall male lifter, going eight for eight, kind of shaking the demons that he had uh, that stuck with him since 2019 Raw Nationals, and this was his Red Dead Redemption John Marston meet. Fantastic meet from Gage, and also a lot of great male competitors. This was really down to the final deadlift, and Anas Anbar, Ken Nguyen, um, Evan Judy, Spicy Cajun Fries, uh, Sori Yandel had a you know big breakout comeback performance. Uh, Evan Orlandi had a great meet. Marcellus Williams as well. We talk a lot about those lifters because the male side was really stacked, especially in the 74 kilo, getting those best overall lifters. So that's the recap, uh, about an hour, 20 minutes of it. Hope you guys enjoy it. But before we get into that, got to talk to you guys about Left Floor Bros. Left Floor Bros sponsored Texas Barbell Syndicate Summer Open. They were there. They were... They were there had a presence. Also, they designed the t-shirts for it, and those looked amazing. And if you think those look amazing, every single thing Left Floor Bros releases and drops looks dope. It looks fresh. It looks amazing. They keep on coming out with great new designs, and they make you look good in the gym. They make you look good on the platform. They make you look good outside of the gym as well. You will look fantastic. You will not regret getting some Left Floor Bros merchandise. Also, so many people were wearing the socks, the comp tees. Those are all being released. The dad hats are coming out soon. If you don't believe me, go on their Instagram page. Make sure you are following them. If you follow Two White Lights, you must follow Left Floor Bros as well. And make sure you're using promo code 2WL15 to get yourself some Left Floor Bros merchandise at a discounted price. Also, they have Two White Lights merchandise exclusively sold on Left Floor Bros. So if you're a fan of Two White Lights, you're a fan of Left Floor Bros, here's what you're going to do. You're going to first get all of the Left Floor Bros apparel put it in your cart, then you're going to get all of the Two White Lights apparel. Put in your cart, use promo code 2WL15. Also, make sure you're heading to Rival Nutrition and get yourself some Informed Choice Supplements. Use promo code ANGELO20 for Informed Choice Supplements. That means there's no banned substance in your pre-workout, banned chain amino acids, your protein powders, whatever you need, Rivalist has got you. Use that promo code ANGELO20 to save 20% off of that RivalNutrition.net supplements. Also, Make sure you're going on lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. Attending the summer open, I saw a lot of lifters in stoic gear. I see more and more lifters in stoic gear, and that tells me something. Stoic is doing something right. Their equipment is on point. They have 
affordable equipment, but also their knee sleeves are seeing with their wrist wraps are quality. They're about as quality as it gets. Their knee sleeves are the best in the game right now. People love every single thing that they drop. Use promo code ANGELO10 to already save yourself some money on some already affordable knee sleeves, seamless wrist wraps. Stoic has got you covered. Remember that it is lift.net, ANGELO10 discount code. Make sure you're using that. Also, make sure you're on notoriouslift.com and get yourself some no-slip drip slippers. Gaze Carrion was wearing the red, the Emperor Red, and the Royal Blue slippers when he pulled 305 kilos to win. I mean, if 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 Notorious Lift was the only slipper he was wearing to hit a third deadlift, they must be doing something right. And Gage looked damn well doing it too. Use promo code AND15 to get yourself some Notorious Lift no-slip drip slippers. Remember to get on those drops. Those sell very quick. I will always announce when they have a drop, so use that promo code ANG15 to save yourself some money at checkout. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on a drop because there's so many colorways, there's so many designs, you don't want to miss out on it, and it will be a shame if you do. So sign up for the newsletter, follow them on Instagram, follow me as well so you get up-to-date countdowns on those drops. Also, make sure you're following us on Instagram. Make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts, make sure you are following us on Spotify, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and leave a review as well. The support you guys have given us so far has been great. Of course, I would love to see more of it, because every single time I see a review on Apple Podcasts, it really does make my day. Also, we do accept some donations, because we are looking to open a studio up, so this has happened before. People have donated from anywhere from $1 to $500. Um, you can DM us DM us at, at Two White Lights or my personal page to get some information on how to do that. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. I got with me Kyle Miller at Project Strength. We have our first in-person recap. Yeah, hopefully the audio is better, even though my voice is completely lost from yesterday. Yeah, you're, like, when we have these recaps, you're a great person to have on. Texas Strength Classic, you MC the meet, you coach a lot of people there. Collegiate Nationals, you coach a lot of people there. This meet... TBS Summer Open, you did everything a person could do for powerlifting. You helped set up the meets. Uh, you had a lot of say in just, like, what was going on with the meet. Mark and you worked uh, pretty close together on this. You had athletes compete. You competed yourself. You had people compete in all three sessions. You had some of the best performers of the day. This is another perfect recap opportunity with uh, Kyle. Yeah, I, I was pretty exhausted, or I kind of am still pretty exhausted, <laughs> but... It, it was a lot of fun for sure, and I hadn't competed in almost a year now, mm-hmm. and it worked out nicely that I was able to compete in the morning session. There were three sessions total, so morning, afternoon session, and prime time, and I competed in the morning session with one of our staff members from our gym, and she was handled by one of um, my business partner and other coach. And then I had an OU alumni and one of my clients, uh, she came down to support 
and I got handled by her. So everything worked out nicely. Um, I kind of limped through my meat. I'm decently messed up right now. Like pretty bad. I've been told recently that it's more of like nerve damage than anything else. So I limped through my meat and then I was able to focus on eight other lifters and two game day handles. And that's, I had a massive amount of help from two other PS coaches. So really grateful for them. Even some clients were helping out load weights and everything in the back. So it was cool. Yeah, the Project Strength crew was really good yesterday. That was one of the that was one of the great parts of the meet yesterday was seeing them in action, and they had a pretty big presence there. I think it'd be funny though if we just talked about your meet and then they cut the show. <laughs> there's, there's honestly not much to talk about with my meet. We just go we go really in depth to your meet, and then yeah. we're just like, all right, we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully, yeah. we'll have a we'll have an interview coming up, but. Yeah, uh, and again, uh, it was an amazing meet. Uh, I was there commentating. Me and Joe Stanek were there. Um, we saw the primetime action. We saw a little bit of the earlier set, but as soon as I got in and as soon as I saw the videos come up, the meet was so organized and it was just so cool looking. That was one thing I just kept on saying to people. It's like, this is cool looking. That's a thing that I like, it's underappreciated in powerlifting. You have a, a smaller gym. But with some creativity, with some great ideas, able to get the lighting just perfect, made it feel like, you know what it felt like? It felt like a better version of Spokane. With yeah. the lighting and the colors, it felt like it's it. that the blue theme that mm-hmm. Spokane had. Yeah, yeah, it was the blue theme and Spokane was pretty dark. Yeah. And that one, I mean, it, the, 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 the spotlight kind of actually like created that really good environment. For it, so that's what it, like I, that kind of what it, it was just a better version because Spokane just it, it was it was good but not a great nationals as far as uh, presentation goes. But you know everything was extremely well organized. Mark did an excellent job, um, and just uh, from a commentator standpoint, good God was that the best live stream setup I've ever had in my life. Yeah, the soundboards, the mics. The monitors, everything was clear. Me and Joe had a very, very easy time uh, doing that meet. Uh, there was one issue with the camera overheating, but you know it happens at these types of meets. They were able to replace it. Mark was working overtime that day. He killed it. Yeah, he killed it, especially with the three session meets on one day, and then one of them being at six o'clock. That is not something that people really do in powerlifting. That's like kind of a new idea, but I thought he killed it. Yeah, I had on that I. Definitely recommended a two-day because mm-hmm. initially it started as a 40-cap lifter meet, and then it filled out pretty much immediately within a couple hours, and we started adding more people once I saw the roster, and I had more people messaging me to see, like, hey, can we get in? What's the wait list looking like? I kind of saw, like, hey, there might be, like, a primetime session here, but then I because of the space and the restrictions there, I thought it would be better to do a two day. Mm -hmm. And then that's also kind of locally to Texas, how Wes uh, Zunker has been running the majority of his meets, or at least the larger meets. Um, Just split it up into two days. It's it's more manageable. You have space in between the sessions and you're not there all day. Mm -hmm. But Mark was pretty adamant about just knocking it all out in one day. admittedly gave me some anxiety about it i was not sure he was going to be able to pull it off i did not think we were going to be out of there by 10 um but 
we were out of there at like 10, I was driving out of there at like 10, 16. Yeah. And, and I stayed till the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. So. Yeah. Same here. We, we were staying to the end. Uh, I think pretty much like people were just taking the last pictures and exactly. we were still there and yeah, we were able to get out of there and, uh, and get some drinks relatively at a decent time. I was a little worried about that myself because I this can't happen at meets. I've seen it happen at meets where it just runs late. Like yeah. with the, the other sessions, either someone can't get drug tested in time. Uh, but you know the those. I actually think I'm gonna give the spotters and loaders. I think they were key in making that meet run very fast. They were so fast. And also uh, to the USAPL, really quick. Um, because I was messaged by the USAPL that the functionality of the row combo rack would not be ideal for spotters and loaders. Uh, that was the quickest meet I've ever seen. That was a row combo rack that they use, and it didn't seem to have any issues for the spotters and loaders that day. Like, it, it was so fast. I understand other reasons why you won't have the combo rack, but I think that was just proof in itself that that reason that was given to me, why you wouldn't have a row combo rack... I do not believe it anymore because they they were so fast. They were so good. And I think that's a big reason why the primetime section was done so quick. It was so fast. I'm I'm still anti-rogue for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was hitting the slides on walkout yeah. for squat. We, we, we were, we were, com- we, were we, we found that on commentary. Yeah. Like, you know, on so on the walkout on squat, we saw people clip. But then it was like the carryover from bench. I think like two people missed a bench on front time. Yeah. I think there was only two misses. And I think Ken, I think it was up and down movement. Like it wasn't anything yeah. on strength. So I'm like, I mean, a, they're doing great. The lifters are fantastic. Yeah. But I might have to bid the, give the combo rack some credit too because everyone loves benching on that thing. Yeah. It's it's a tempur Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like you can definitely, it's not a bench, it's a bed. But. So yeah, you get you get a little bit more out of it. I actually did when I was training, uh, like maybe three weeks now, because I wasn't even having nerve issues at that point. So it was probably like five or six weeks out. Uh, I went out there for a session, and I was hitting the sides actually on bench. So kind of yeah. a a true misgroove, not a cringe caption. Hey, this misgroove. No, <laughs> you just overshot, little kid. Um, but. Yeah, and I actually noticed when I was watching Eric LaPointe's meet uh, the other week that they had to remove the safeties because yeah. they had multiple people at the bottom of the lift hitting the safeties. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, the plates would hit it or even the bar would hit it. Um, I mean, some would say that that's kind of like fault of the lifter to not set the right safety height, mm-hmm. um, getting rack heights, all that. But everybody can pretty much agree that the rogue rack is overbuilt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I think they just had a good system of because between lifts they were efficient at yeah. changing it out. That timer once the once the third squat or the third bench was done, the timer was quick at getting set. So they were efficient at getting lifts changed over. Um, I don't think if you I, I think because it's a one platform meet that's doable. Maybe if it's a national setting with four platforms, three platforms, what have you, it might not be as feasible, yeah. but who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I understand that with the multiple platforms kind of thing. And really, for me, my standpoint now, I've kind of actually flipped my stance. And, and, and I'm on the stance of I would like to – I'd rather have one of the other combo racks type of Rogue at national meets. 
I think a one platform works, but based on what I've heard from other people, it's just not the most universally like combo rack. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was. I was under the assumption that everyone loves the real combo rack, and it turns out that's not the case at all. Some people don't even like benching on it. A lot of female lifters don't like benching on it, but I just saw it yesterday. I mean, that was UTSA, right? Yeah. Yeah, the UTSA crew also, you guys want to rewatch the live stream just to see how quick they get the collars off the bar. It is incredible. It yeah. is actually like a feat. Like, Thanks. They do it so fast. It's 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 and the both of the spotters and loaders who have control of it are in sync. Yeah. Like if you guys want to see, I might actually make a. You know what? I might actually make a post on two my lights. Spotter spotter and loader like loading highlights. Yeah. And it's just how quick they get the collars off. They they race each other. I've I've like they have bets. I've seen them do actual competitions. I know they've done competitions. They've gone up to St. Louis before for a competition mm-hmm. and won equipment when they won the event. So, I mean, they take pride in it. They go to nationals. They go to worlds for this. They get flown out. They get paid. They get put up in hotels because they're good at it. They're good at keeping the lifters safe, but also making meets run efficiently. Yeah, and that that's the- actually. Another recommendation I had on that meet was because the reason that the 105s and the heavier guys were in the morning session, so I woke up at like 4 in the morning just because I was waking up at 4 in the morning, but uh, we had that 6 a.m. weigh-in for 105s and the heavier guys, which it's pretty standard to have kind of the, the women and lighter weight class men start a meet, and then the heavier set guys are going to be in the afternoon session or mm-hmm. kind of like that. Because Mark's initial plan was for us to turn around and help spot load. Because he had a bunch of like 105s, 120s from his gym competing. And so it would have been pretty easy to say, hey guys, like maybe I'll throw you a couple bucks, uh, beers, whatever, and help volunteer at the meet. Um, but yeah, with that size and with my experience with the UTSA team, I was just like, look, man, it's it's probably worth the investment. Just get hire out the UTSA team to come down, yeah. and they'll they'll take care of everybody. So. Yeah, for sure. I think Joe uh, Joe Stanek, um, you were doing the live stream commentary. I told him UTSA best spotters and loaders around, and he's opening game day barbell. He's gonna be having meets over there, so yeah. he's like, oh, I guess I gotta inquire with them now. So yeah, they're they're gonna be. I mean, in Texas, I know they they have their presence, and they're usually at meets. But just speaking of the meat itself, the atmosphere too. The atmosphere is fantastic. This is my first taste of Texas powerlifting, I guess, in yeah. person. Um, and when I saw this, I'm when I, I saw the live stream and just uh, when me and Steve went live on Instagram of Texas Strength Classic and the atmosphere, I was like getting this ultimate FOMO that I wasn't being, I wasn't able to be there because it looked like such a fun time. And this one, I actually got the experience and. Yeah, Texas powerlifting atmosphere in general is going to be fantastic because a lot of coaches, a lot of people, a lot of the spectators there are amazing lifters themselves, and it's really cool just to meet them and see them and seeing them cheer other people on. The lifters love that stuff, too. When the lifters see it in any session, they love when they know a lifter who's a high caliber, an elite-level lifter is cheering them on, and you're going to get that with Texas powerlifting meets. But we were in a different room doing the live stream. We'll talk about the live stream in a bit here. But we heard the people outside. The atmosphere was really good, yeah. uh, very energetic. Now the live stream itself was fantastic. Mark killed it on that one. This was probably the most professional prime time I've done, and every single one I've done so far has been really professional with 
Go Strong Hoosier Cup. Garrett killed it with that, did multiple camera angles, had the, the commentator cam. Uh, Marshall Powell took that, too, and tried to make that instant replay, did a fantastic job there, had the commentator cam as well. And then Mark had it just with the higher quality. It was just a, it was just a, I think it was just a more crystal quality. Uh, couldn't get those multiple camera angles, but I think with just that single camera angle, he killed it very easily. Viewed me uh, in the chat. There was usually it's a good sign when there's less uh, toxicity in the chat, like because Twitch, Twitch chats for. I think the future for me is just not to have them. Yeah. I don't think they provide much of a use. There's occasionally really good things, but they often just like, hey, what's the shitty thing? So I could tear this whole fucking live stream down with my opinions and my words. There was none of that really in the chat. There was, I mean, there was people arguing with each other, of course, but, you know, let, let, let them have that because it's the internet after all. But, like, nothing really going after a live stream uh, in the primetime session, so that means... It, it it was good. It was yeah. good. Like that's that's really the best you can ask for. No one's really going to get out there and be like, "This is a fantastic job that you're doing." Uh, there was a few people who said that, but that's how I know uh, Mark and I found Park with the with the live stream. Yeah, I I actually haven't caught too much of it. I he did have a monitor, well, two monitors in the back in the warm up room. Uh, so one was for lifting cast, and then one had that. Um, and I think he hardwired it in. I don't think there was a delay at all, actually. I can't remember. If there I was There was no, because he heard the crowd outside and then with the live stream, yeah. it was pretty much on point. Yeah. There was a small we, we delay. Talked, yeah. We had talked about that um, leading up to it. So I know it was a like high priority for him. And he actually did test out different camera angles. But just because of the the space, yeah, his hands were kind of tied on and different also, things. And also, you gotta like, I, I think I gotta tell power. Like, occasionally it works, occasionally it doesn't. Yeah, powerlifting has spotters and loaders. It has side judges. It yeah. has front judges. It's very very hard to do that. Every single meet that I went to, that to commentate a primetime session or someone who wanted to, I like to commentate. There was always an issue with multiple camera angles and someone getting in the way. Yeah, it's just gonna happen. Um, there was a few that really worked. There was others that didn't work at all. Uh, like they had to, like at the Go Strong Hoosier Cup, Garrett had to like yell at people to like get out of the way. Yeah. And then at Carolina Primetime, there were just people walking in front of the camera, and then the spotters and loaders can't move. Like we really can't move them if that's their, their best angle. So yeah. that's always gonna happen. I think until powerlifting progresses to dynamic camera angles. We yeah. actually have camera people, camera crew. You won't be getting a whole lot of multiple camera angles because it's it's a very, very tough thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I like simplicity. Simplicity works. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. If you're able to easily change between camera angles, then that blocking should be able to kind of be, like you're getting that, like more dynamic. So, like, I, and I know he did have that kind of control board for y'all as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, if you were able to kind of punch in and, and change the camera angles, if somebody did get in the way, mm -hmm. that would be amazing and kind of the standard. But I think he did a, a good job, too, of having different parts of the meat sectioned off. Yeah. So, he, he did have um, the kind of like a, almost like a, what do you call that? kind of like a it was just like roped off like chained off uh the, the around v, the platform yeah the vip the yeah vip ropes yeah, or whatever that, they're called. i mean that but it was, it was also just for the the platform itself mm -hmm. so that nobody really i fewer this meet fewer people 
from the audience went up to record. Yeah, I, there was I only saw, one example. One example. I saw of more it. people recording from their seat than mm-hmm. I did at pretty much any other meet. Most people will like walk all the way up or get as close. Like they'll be like right next to the the mm-hmm. head referee, um, which most head referees don't really like at all. Yeah, so, I would not like that at yeah. all. And then and then there was a, a line for, uh, I mean essentially the coach's box. So there's tape where mm-hmm. the coach's box was. So. Again, I, I think he had everything mapped out very well. Outra- outrageously organized. Yeah. Uh, that I think, again, this is it's a progression of it because, I mean, progression with the USAPL primetime stuff is actually one of the, like, it, it, it's one of, the, like, the most special things to me because it just started off with Steve Deneau becoming a two-way license talking about it and really just putting a meet together. Like, yeah. the Midwest primetime was not that type of meet. It had great competitors, but he wasn't like, yeah, let's do the strobe lights and the yeah. this, the camera angles and live stream. Uh, like, it was a good live stream, but it was like he just wanted to have a meet where people were able to compete at who were good. And then when Marshall takes hold of that, Marshall and Mark are working together and kind of yeah. conversing, coordinating with each other. And then you had a say with Texas Strain Classic, you know, getting their primetime section and people are looking at that. Like, it is the it is some of the most, like, rewarding things I've seen yeah. in part, like, how many people are networking with each other, how many people are trying to, like, promote this. And it's actually catching steam and people are working together. They're not trying to, like, okay, I'm going to top this. Yeah. And no, this, and they, they find all the flaws and critiques of it and point it out and broadcast it, uh, you know, to the negative nature of powerlifting that it can occasionally get to. They're not doing that. They're working together, and that's going to be key. That's going to be key going forward is working together, and then really it stems from the original idea. Like, it, it from the, I think it was 2016 was the first time they did it, 2017 yeah. in Atlanta when they did it, and it's it's caught fire since then. Yeah. And people been positive enough. This is what happens when you're positive about something in powerlifting as opposed to super negative. You actually can build it, progress it, and make it a an actual thing that helps the sport. Yeah. No, no, I, it definitely takes people like Josh uh, Roar, who <clears throat> first started it, or Marshall and Mark and Steve, all of them. Saber, obviously, with Virginia. <clears throat> I mean, he's not putting prime times together i think but he's just no he's he's against prime time but he's for a the production value yeah he's he's against prime time but he's for a meet that only invites yeah elite level (laughs) so essentially a prime (laughs) so so prime time he's he's like i hate prime time aside from the prime time meet that i'm creating the elite level that i'm inviting yeah but yeah, it, it does take people like that willing to take a risk. I mean, being a meat director in itself is a business. Like it does require a lot of financials, a lot of planning, a lot of commitment. So a lot like a business, um, there there are those potential pitfalls or you're opening yourself up to criticism. Um, you're trying new things. Mark tried the, the VIP table, for instance. Yeah. Um, I actually do know that he did catch some... some uh, not even some. I'd say quite a bit of heat about that, um, both on Instagram. I saw stuff on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not on Twitter, honestly, but I've had some people send me different threads. Um, but from what I saw, it it didn't restrict view. I don't. I think that was the main issue. People had that and taking up space that could be additional spectators. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it actually. 
worked pretty well. Yeah, you gotta try things. You gotta try things in order to make something different. Yeah. Right? It's like powerlifters are the people who always want, like, let's make this more of a professional sport. Let's do this, let's do that. And then they bitch when they get it. Yeah. And they bitch when they see someone actually trying. Is it gonna be perfect? No. But unless you can create something, shut your fucking mouth and actually enjoy yeah. the little thing that you just got. It's not a big deal that you had a, pro a VIP table, but it's the data nature. Like, I've been making, because apparently they're, they're, with the medals, they're, they, um, I think they're all doing one color, but the ribbons on it are going to be different colors from the USAPL. Okay. I think, I think Eric LaPointe might have posted that or something. And, of course, the 18 through 23-year-old lifters hate it. Yeah. I'm like, you guys bitch about the medals anyway. You guys complain that medals are given to you at competitions. You guys wanted something different. You don't care about the medals in the first place. Now you're upset they're not different colors? Yeah. Shut up. You just like complaining. You like hearing yourself bitch and moan. And that's that's my, that's my I think, hate. That's my, uh, like, my critique of a lot of powerlifters, especially when you see something like this. Someone's trying to produce something. But then the only thing you see is negativity. Of course, I think you need the criticism there in a sense, but at, at a point, it's just it's lazy. It's just something. It's 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 complaining for the sake of complaining. Like it's not the biggest deal to have a, a, a table, like allotted out there. So, but let's get to the competition. Yeah. Because we got to do this as far as like you know talking. A lot of people use two white lights as a blueprint on how they want to run their meets. So we got to talk about the beginning, but. The competition itself was fantastic. Me and Joe and all the spectators, all the viewers on the live stream were really enthralled this entire meet because the males and females had some really compelling storylines. Uh, let's start with the females because Laisha Gardner dunked on two white lights, so I think we have to yeah. we have to start there. Um, I am very happy about this. Laisha primarily took Steve's words. Yeah. Dunked on Steve. And dunked on Steve as opposed to me, which I still had Frida winning. Yeah. But she dunked on Steve, and it's good that that's happening more now. Yeah. I'm more I'm I'm promoting that. Like let's have let's hold Steve accountable for his words because I was eating a lot of shit from yeah. what he said in the past. Now people are actually listening to what he has to say and not associating with me. That shirt he made was awesome. I yeah. loved it. But just speaking of her and just and and sense of her performance. Since uh, since collegiate nationals, she has not stopped her momentum. She's yeah. getting better. She's getting stronger. She's keeping her foot on the gas pedal, and she is going to be a top three sixty nine kilo lifter by the time raw nationals rolls around. She is that good. She is really really good. I was extremely impressed with her performance. I thought she. I, I might be speculating here with that. She went eight for nine, uh, missed her last deadlift. I thought maybe there was just a YOLO deadlift, like really trying to put together a like massive, massive deadlift there at the end because I think she could have went nine for nine with a just a wise attempt selection. Yeah. Um, because it was he was coasting. It felt like he was coasting the entire meet. Like all of her, all of her lifts were so perfectly executed. Uh, they were the right calls. And really, after the squat, because uh, Leanne Ramirez uh, missed her third squat, Frida missed two squats. So after the three for three squat, Leisha had he was in the driver's seat. Yeah. But with Leanne, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, with that big, big bench, she can make up some ground there as far as best overall female lifters go. But 
executed perfectly, went three for three, uh, and then with deadlifts, kind of just wrapped it up on her first two deadlifts. It was it was a beautiful masterclass yeah. performance. Yeah, so I obviously was paying attention to that because I coached Leanne, mm-hmm. and we were trying to obviously come in, take first on that, and we knew, cool, we're looking at Laisha, we're looking at uh, Frida. Unfortunately, uh, Cassandra Carlton had to pull out of the meet. And that was yes. a, that was a big storyline coming into it, but it looks like she'll be uh, healthy for Worlds. And um, granted, if all of that happens, go comes to fruition, which I hope it does for her and so many other lifters. But yeah, that's where it was. I came in like cool. We're really focused on just executing on ourselves. But I met Jordan Glenn, who uh, I've, I've known Jordan. I met him at the score table uh, after bench, and we both looked at each other because we were both calculating everything out, and we both just kind of laughed, and we're like, cool, we're not friends right now. We'll be friends later. <laughs> like, But after I was done kind of calculating out the scenario, I even knew and told him straight up, like, yeah, man, like it looks like y'all got it wrapped up. Honestly, um, Laisha would have had to missed essentially two deadlifts and we would have had to pull something crazy for for Leanne to get first so for me it was really just about trying to get her I mean we're already gonna PR on a second attempt so it it was just how deep in a PR can we get and try to go um eight for nine on it but yeah she Gardner brought that gas man Mm -hmm. like she and I mean eating into it everything um yeah I think she's got plenty of room to build. I, I don't think it was a yellow deadlift. Looking at the numbers, it was two 10-kilo jumps. So two 10-kilo. Yeah, she well, went me and Joe were kind of – we expected a 5- to 7-kilo jump yeah. for a third attempt. So, I don't know. I'm not going to call it um, – not a wise attempt, but, um, yeah, I think – so I just think with the sense of playing it in sort of the competition standpoint, because this happened to me before. I had the meat wrapped up on my mm-hmm. eighth lift of the day, and then we're like, fuck it, let's – Go. And then we could have probably eked out something a little bit more conservative, and it would have helped my total, would have helped my good lift points, but who cares when you win the meet? Yeah. That's what we kind of thought we saw with uh, Aisha, but I mean, still, just a ridiculous performance from her. Um, yeah. absolutely, you know, made a big statement. I th- I really thought she made a big statement at Cleveland Nationals, but yeah. with powerlifting, that's what happens, right? You make a big statement. People were, we were definitely impressed on Two White Lights of what she did, but then Cleveland Nationals was how long ago? So people forget about things. Other yeah. lifts happen. We had nationals in the middle there. Now it's present to us. We can see how it unfolds. Still a young lifter. Still a lot of potential. Still can really get it, get into that weight class too. I I think she's a lifter that it's kind of like what you're getting at. It's like you can have some lifters have breakout performances, but then they fizzle out. Yeah. And some do it immediately. But she backed it up, mm-hmm. and she kind of took that that chip on the shoulder from, from Steve in the, yep. the 98 to 99 and she broke into a hundred pretty quick. Yeah, well, and so again, that's where it was. We all knew that it would take hundred plus to win it, yeah. you know? And, and that's what I told Jordan as well. Cause he was like, nah, like we don't got it. till we got it at the end. And I was like, man, y'all are already at like one Oh one, one Oh two right now. Like we're trying to get into the hundreds. So if, if Leanne had hit her third dead, we would have broke into the hundreds, but we would have still been a little bit underneath uh, Maisha on that. So, 
yeah, that that was a really fun battle, honestly. Yeah, so. it, it was very fun to watch too, and uh, a really great performance. But Leanne Ramirez, we got to talk about that bench press. I mean, great meet from yeah. her, um, but the bench press really. I actually think uh, we made this comment during the live stream where, you know, we talk about bench press and typically it's a boring part of the meet, but not at this meet. Yeah. This meet had one, all uh, people were hitting lifts all over the place. People were going three for three on bench. And then with Leanne, she just from one to three on her uh, bench made it look so effortless and yeah. unofficial world record, I think from Danielle yeah. Mello in the 84 weight class, with whenever you can do something better than Danielle Mello, who yeah. has, like, her and Amanda Lawrence have all the records at 84. Right. If you can do something better there than her, you're doing something right. And, man, I don't know. You can take me into this performance as well. Uh, I know, you know, with her bench, because she's got such a beautiful bench. Perfect yeah. bench press. Uh, big arch. Just, it has a strength, too. It looks so easy for her. Was it, could, do you think you could have got two and a half to five kilos more out of her, or is it one of those things where it looks effortless, but it looks effortless until it doesn't? It, yeah, for sure. And to that point, she's a mental lifter. Mm-hmm. So, but then the beauty about it is she honestly doesn't know kilos at all. Nice. So, like, she just goes out and lifts, and those are really fun meets. And some people are intentional on that. Of they'll obviously know their openers because they have to put them in. But I've, I've had quite a few lifters like that where they basically just let me make the calls and we don't talk about anything related to attempt selection or what's on the bar. Mm-hmm. But Leanne actually, and I told Steve that after the episode dropped in uh, the previous episode or the preview episode, and I told you as well, and um, I think that's who I kept it to. But the only thing that we didn't post leading up to the meet was that she had failed 303 in her heavy week. Um, she had failed it like pretty much at lockout, just kind of lost it to flared back, lost tightness. Um, but it, it moved well despite that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just her overthinking the weight. Um, so I, I knew as long as she didn't know what was on the bar, we'd be fine. So I actually text David Garcia, who was on the mic. And I was like, Hey man, like, please don't say anything about <laughs> anything about Leanne's next weight until after because we also all knew that it was a uh, unofficial American record so obviously something good for the crowd and good for Leanne to call that out but uh yeah I mean prep went well on bench um at Texas Bench Babe of course yeah that's what, yeah we mentioned on the commentary if your yeah. name's Texas Bench Babe you probably yeah. are good at bench like and that's the thing powerlifting it's like squat and deadlift all the handles are she's one of the only ones with bench in her handles yeah. so yeah uh, it's it has to be it has to be an a, a elite level bench and it is it's all time yeah so no and she she did well so i do think that we could have hit 308 for sure um so 130 or sorry 140 um but i feel like the main thing honestly right now is I will fight anybody that says that we couldn't have hit that on any other bench pad. Like it, it surely did help. It helps. It helps the effort <laughs> of it, but he easily could have hit that on anything else. Yes, yeah, that nobody can argue against that. That did not look like a second attempt or somewhere even between like a first and second. Like it for her as well. 
as long as she keeps her position and keeps leg drive, and that's partially too what happened with the 303 uh, that she'd failed in prep, was she didn't have good leg drive for it. Mm-hmm. Like even before the uh, before unracking, so it it obviously you take that half or whatever marginal amount uh, that contributes to to the press out. It's pressing. It's putting all of it on the the press motion. So um, there is more in the tank for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I was very comfortable and confident making that call. And that that for the past, I mean, really all prep, but. During the peak, I 100% knew that was going to be the call on, on meet day. Yeah, yeah, and it looked great. Yeah, I didn't see a whole lot of posting from her going into it. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, with the, the combo rack discussion, it's funny because I think it it's one of those things where Leanne trains, she trains out of uh, San Antonio, correct? So that was something that was cool this prep. Was usually she's out of San Antonio. She goes to school in San Antonio at UTSA, mm-hmm. but she was in three or more cities throughout this entire prep, which is to me very difficult. Oh, like yeah. ideally, you have a constant. Um, she did not have that, so she trained some at UTSA at TSS, I should say, um, and then she trained. She's from the Valley, so she trained some at Iron Asylum down there in the Valley. And then she also trained at Progressive Overload up yeah. in Dallas. So those were her three main training spots. And she yeah. had two, I think, two vacations throughout this prep, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, like, I'm just saying with the combo rack that you train under, like, it's still a hard thing to do to adjust at a row combo rack. Right. Like, it, if you do, and I know she's one who's used to probably the text, uh, the TSS rack. Yeah. Um, I think most people in Texas are. Yeah. It's just, it's not the most ideal, it's not the most ideal thing going from a combo rack that you've been training on every single day and then switching up right on meet day. It's not the, it's not the easiest thing in the world. I would say that doing it this way is the easier way to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying, but point being, if you went, if you're regularly training on a, road rack and then you went to a tss oh yeah for sure er that's when you're gonna yeah. kind of like take a hit and yeah that's ha- that's when i, I stay yeah. away from the road combo rack yeah. whenever i'm known that i'm using an er rack but uh like i could train on the er rack if right. i know if i'm using a road combo rack yeah right. for sure so excellent day from her uh, again another young lifter another person who i really just hope that we have someone who can give amanda lawrence run for her money because she needs some contenders she needs some competition there, so uh, got her on bench. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. Did, he, had, he does have Amanda Lawrence on bench. So that's the thing, though, and that's what I posted up before, like leading into the prep, uh, or sorry, into the meet, is she posted, we were still successful in um, hitting the second biggest 84 total this year. So if Leanne did that meet, at Raw Nationals, she would have gotten second. Yeah. So yeah, something to definitely you know use that use that into the future. But uh, so and then I mean I guess as far as our predictions go, uh, Frida De La Pena Lope, uh, Lopez didn't have the greatest meet. Um, I know he had a big weight cut, so four kilo uh, four kilo cut is hard for males. So I know for her, uh, I it just it that's what it looked like for me. It just seemed like he was drained on. Starting with squats, and that's usually a good indicator that you know the weight cut got to someone. Um, 
it's just hard to really get that. Uh, it's really hard to get that momentum after a big weight cut. Uh, but I think potentially it might be speaking too soon. But um, I think uh, maybe Joe Game Day getting her hands on uh, yeah. on Frida, getting some coaching going forward. So that'll be exciting. Uh, she finished third. Uh, Brenda Sanchez, huge squat. Yeah, that was awesome. She's, I really thought she had that third squat too. Yeah, I really thought when as soon as she took it, I'm like, I think she's got this. But 501 pound squat, second attempt. She's fun to watch compete, honestly, because I can just tell like her her energy. She was just like dancing, having fun with it. Yeah, and after like, the meet, she just told me like she, she had this big smile on her face, like oh, it was so much fun. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it, it it is good to see, like it is good to see that like so people are so like this intense, but yeah. some of those like cooler, a little bit more uh, relaxed lifters are great to see. No, yeah, she was she was having fun with it the whole time. Um, like I don't know how to describe it. Like loud in a good way. Like it was like she would, <laughs> she would like finish an attempt and then come to the like little uh, waiting area that he had and she would just say something like really funny and there's like no filter of like <laughs> cool like this is what I feel like <laughs> nice so yeah yeah that's that's good to see and then another again we I mean this this meet was young lifter galore uh, yeah. like it, like another lifter who's young who has a lot of potential who has a lot of room to build uh big 500 pound squat so again I mean we talk about Amanda Lawrence a new crop of lifters who could challenge some of these greats, like yeah. uh, like uh, um, Bonica Brown, yeah. right? So, like, you, when you start them young, you start them at that at that age and start getting those right training set. And I think all the competitors are talking about right now, the the four we spotlighted on two white lights, all of them are going to have a bright future taking in their weight class that they're in. Uh, Elisha definitely has that. Yeah. Um, with with her weight class, I think already. Like she's already a contender to potentially win in the next uh, one to two years, but you know Frida definitely, uh, Leanne definitely, um, Brenda too. It's just Amanda Lawrence and Monica Browns are absolute legends of female powerlifting. So it's going to be yeah. a, a a longer uh, mountain to climb, a bigger mountain to climb. But it's it, this is like this is why these primetime sessions are good because you're seeing the start of like a great powerlifting career. You're right. seeing some of the really good performances and. A lot of these lifters had these performances. Like Amanda Lawrence had a performance like this at a point of her career. And it's a local meet and it gets archived and maybe you right. have the phone you know, maybe you have the phone uh the the phone recordings of everything you get to put on Instagram, but this one is documented in a really cool way. You can save it, you can just rehash it like in four years when Maisha's a national champion. You can look back, it's like that's what that meet was propelled me to you know, a total that I knew I could be a contender. Who knows? That's why these meets are good. Yeah. No, I like it. And yeah, I, I commented on that at, uh, as, as warmups were about to start for prime time, I caught a quick break with, uh, my co-owner of the gym, Waleed. And we're just like, yeah, that prime time room is actually like pretty impressive right now. Like there's a lot of strong people in it. Not even just the lifters, but the coaches handlers too. Mm -hmm. Like there is a lot of experience in that room. And I, I'm also in the, the great position, grateful for the position I'm in that a lot of those people are my friends or I see them at different national meets or again, this is Texas based and roster of Texas lifters. A couple people flew in for it, but it, 
that's also the benefit of Texas is that we have that caliber at local meets pretty mm-hmm. pretty readily. So yeah, yeah, it was a cool environment for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, now to the men's side, which had a deeper pool of yeah. lifters and Gage Gedeon. I'll pronounce your name correctly this time. Yeah. Gage was able to do it. Eight for eight day, able to win best overall male lifter. And, man, that was that was so good to see. I, I was tearing up, partially because I've, <laughs> I've known him for so long, and he's just like my shithead little brother at this point. <laughs> but he also called me two nights before the meet saying he's ready to pull out which he had talked about multiple times throughout that day in the chat I'm in with him and a couple of my other lifters, but I just thought it was Gage being Gage. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing the meet. And, and uh, he's like, I'm in too much pain, or I'm going to be like Leo from The Revenant and all uh, this. He, if, I, if I had to do the fucking Leo he, from The Revenant thing one more see, time. I don't understand how another, that's even comparable. <laughs> He needs don't to watch get to another movie. Like he does a lot of cuddling. He needs to watch more <laughs> movies. So I don't. Yeah, I'm like he keeps on saying this. Like I don't know yeah. how this compares to Leonardo DiCaprio and The Revenant, but you can believe what you want to believe, Gage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I will. He was telling me even before the meet, he's like, I might, I might, I might back out. Is it too late to back out? I'm like, <laughs> actually, the coolest thing to do right now, which I would respect you for it, because I've been pretty critical of Gage just not competing for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I will actually gain respect for you if you just, your first squat attempt, walk right past the platform and just out the door. <laughs> I'm like, that would be the greatest, that would be a first in powerlifting history. It would be documented on live stream. You just walk out the door, get in your truck, and leave, and wave, and uh, you ride off into the sunset that way. And then he would, of course, like do it butt ass naked. Yeah, like he does all the other like, yeah. skits with his truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he 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 said that privately, and I thought it was gonna stay private, and then he, he did it publicly, and like, all right, man, yeah, I guess that's that's uh, that's your style through and through. But I, you know what, every single one of Gage's lifts. Because it was it was a battle between Gage, Anas, Ken, um, and really like uh, Evan Judi- um, Judis coming yeah. in there, and he was he was up there. He he was very very close to breaking to that top three, and he was in a position where he could possibly win the meet if people missed their last lifts. And dude, with Gage, I was just every single lift he took, I was nervous. I, because I, every single lift he took, I, because like you said, he's your shithead little brother. I guess he's yeah. like maybe my shithead like little nephew or something. <laughs> because I mean, there, there, I mean, if you, I know commentary, you're not supposed to be biased, but there was a definite bias when I was watching Gage because one, I predicted him to win, and two, it's just that he's um like my shithead nephew, so I yeah. want him to win, and every every lift he took, it just made me nervous, but it was. It was just a poised, it was a wise meet from him. He was just able to not get in his own head, get into a right attempt selection. Um, I talked about it in past uh, past podcast episodes, just past conversations, even to go on my Instagram live or anytime people talk about it. 
I this guy desperately needs a coach. He's obviously strong as fuck. Yeah. He is strong as fuck with just doing whatever the hell he wants. And really, his total you look at is it, like, dude, this is a potential of a total that's top five for seventy fours. Yeah. And that's something that's not that that's a big accomplishment. It's one of the more competitive weight classes uh, in the USAPL. But um, especially at a time like for twenty nineteen, he did have the potential to do that. He just needed coaching. He needed proper coaching guidance. And who would have thought the guy to get to him <laughs> is nineteen year old Aiden Raider to yeah. really help him with his lifts. The thing, but th- that's the thing. You know, his squat, his squat is actually as as hard as it looks to watch. It's a good. It's a good squat. Yeah. He's, he keep his bar pass is actually good. He stays over midfoot. Uh, that's where the injury was coming in. He yeah. was hurt, you can tell, because that's his bread and butter lift. Gage's squat is as good, you know, a minus Atwood and maybe Perk. It's about as good as a guess in 74s. Um, the bench press looks so good. So good. And that's where good coaching came in. His bench press looked yeah. good. It's not the stupid-ass Japanese grip that he was doing. Yeah. It was a solid bench press. He's making improvements. But that deadlift was perfect. That was the best I've ever seen uh, Gage deadlift. I I honestly would almost argue that his deadlift is better than his squat, or at least currently it's, it, it's more consistent yes. for him and it's more predictable. Because like you said, and I mean everybody knows it if they know Gage or seen him squat, it's like you said rough. It's unbearable, and it's just you have a lot of questions after you see it. So, but. What's also undeniable is that bench is not his lips. <laughs> no, so that that you well, this is the it's. But I do know it's not his lift for sure. I think uh, maybe maybe I don't. Know, we'll talk about maybe some future stuff for Gage, but it's not his lift. Uh, and really, with the seventy fours that day, there were some massive the, bench pressers. The the top five because I'm looking at it now. The top five, including him, obviously was winning it. He won his third was under everybody else's opener. <laughs> you know what? I would laugh at that, but that probably happened to me at Raw Nationals where <laughs> I took third. So I can't I, I really can't even I can't even get like I, I mean but it's yeah. it's not like a, it's not like I'm trying to like shit on him or anything. It's like that's just how impressive his squat and deadlift yeah. are. Yeah, so I mean that's <laughs> his, his squat and deadlift is money, and uh, I would agree his deadlift is more predictable. Because yeah. uh, uh, I mean, when you squat like that, you are kind of asking for some injuries. Yeah. But uh, I, his his bench press, I, I'm, I'm using it as an example here because this is very similar to me when I got coaching under Joe Stanek. I had a, I mean, if I have a bad bench press now, I had a horrible bench press. 2018 through 2019 it was bad and it was noticeably different within five weeks of coaching under joe because i listened to him he gave me the right cues what i needed the right programming we put five kilos on our bunch immediately that's fan that's great progress um we were we were really cruising we put another five kilos on for next competition it stalled since then but gage i don't think has had that yet yeah. Where he has that prep where he's going to dial in all the cues, do the right things, eat right, get the nutrition right, get Aiden's keys, and really use it. Gage still has that potentially in his back pocket. Yeah. Um, and that's big. And that, that is yeah. big because, I mean, I started off with Joe with a 347 bench press, got stapled by 352 at Nationals, like bad, like embarrassingly bad. And then towards the Arnold, 
we were able to improve it. And if I just stayed stagnant at a three fifty two bench press, dude, it was it's game over. Like yeah. we we will not we will not be able to place at nationals. We will not be able to have a good Arnold performance. You know, you wouldn't. I mean, hell, I might not even be top five. Like it's it's not a great bench press still, but it's something that is going to help your total out if you could just make those improvements. And I think Gage is going to make those improvements. I I really do think that because he still he still hasn't fully worked under Aiden in the sense of an off season, uh, accumulating some things. Um, I'm very excited to see that. His his deadlift though, uh, he ended up with three oh three oh five, right? Yeah. He I think could have got five kilos more. Yeah, it was a sure. smooth, smooth deadlift. He was locked in that day. Um, of course, he was wearing the Cubs, uh, the Cubs uh, color scheme of the notorious yeah. uh, lifters. But uh, he killed it with his deadlift. Where I think he could have put on more. I think he actually was really in a true pull for the win scenario because I think if he was in that range of three ten through three fifteen, he possibly could have pulled it no matter what Anas, Ken, or Evan was able to do. But uh, yeah, uh, it was it was great to see um, uh, Gage Gage have his rede- his true redemption meet his true John Marston meet. This yeah. is the John Marston meet for Gage. Yeah, and I mean I, I've commented already of it would have been too perfect if he hit that third squat. Thankfully, we waived it because yeah. that that second squat took years off of his life. Mm-hmm. It was a good grinder, but. To go up for another two, no. and, a, two and a half. No, I was like, when we saw that squad, we're like, please scratch it. Yeah, please and scratch that. That that was the game plan, and I talked to Aiden about that. Of game plan really is keep them healthy through squat, mm-hmm. so that we could do whatever we needed on deadlift, and that's I mean we did it to a T. Yeah. So I uh, I put in, uh, like we had talked about it, uh, Aiden obviously gave me a game plan ahead of time. I talked with him quite a few times about it. We agreed on everything. I talked to Gage about goals and everything. He wanted to pull for the win if he needed to. I confirmed that when it came time for it. Um, but we'd, we'd put a placeholder and I explained that to him of, all right, cool. I was like, what, what do you think you can hit? I'm putting it as a placeholder. He's like, what the hell does that mean? I was like, yeah, don't, I, don't, yeah, don't worry about yeah. it. Just you even told him yeah. placeholder. I was like, what do you want to hit? Like, what what's good? And uh, so we initially only put in for three hundred. Yeah, I saw. Um, and then I I kind of just back pocket was ready to. I was confirming all the calculations out of cool. This is what Anas put in. This is what Ken put in. Ken actually passed out on his. Second deadlift, yeah, but popped right back up. Like, yeah, total total kin move of like popped right back up, like nothing happened, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm good," and he just like walked straight off, like didn't need help. And then I, uh, and then they went up by seven and a half keys. Yeah, um, because it it was it was a weird like he, I'm pretty sure he finished it, or it was like he he didn't quite. It wasn't. Walk quite, it it wasn't I don't think it was. Uh, it was complete uh, yeah. motionless. Yeah, that's what I was seeing on the live stream. I, it was a very similar situation to uh, to um, 2019 round nationals for me, where it looked like it was stopped. But my hand was opening up. Yeah, that's what I saw with Ken. I saw the hand kind of opening up there, and I knew exactly yeah. like what the situation. It, it's a it's a very uh, it's a very prevalent thing in in deadlifts for uh, and also people to miss it, but. Uh, yeah, that's what I saw with him. That deadlift, the final deadlift was nutty. Yeah. Uh, it was because it, it did come down to it. Because even with Evan, he put on what he needed to win, 
and we don't know if he's going to do this. If he hits this and other people miss, which I mean, I, I'm there's no guarantee that Gage hits his last deadlift. If if you're if you know Gage, you don't know if he's going to hit the lifts. Um, Anas is a pretty good you know executioner yeah. with his lifts. Then you have Cam Mitchell kind of probably giving him some good attempt selections there. Same thing with Ken getting uh, coaching from Mikey P. So it was like then you threw an Evan um, in the in the mix there. Yeah, you didn't know what was going to happen with those last deadlifts, and that that was a extremely entertaining thing to watch. And you know what, Gage had to pull it off. Gage had to come up clutch. He had to do it because Anas didn't do him any favors. Yeah. Um, he he pulled his third deadlift beautifully. He did what he needed to do, and Gage had to do that properly. And this is why. Being a deadlift specialist is actually a good thing. Yeah. Because Anas puts his number there. He doesn't know what he needs to do. But Gage can easily just go five kilos more, two and a half kilos more, maybe seven and a half kilos more. I could put on the barn. Maybe I can pull it. I have a better chance of pulling 307 than you do. Yeah. So that's where it that comes into play. A deadlift specialist. That's a really big ace. Uh, that's a big ace card. Uh, Gage did not get in his own head. Uh, he didn't choke. He didn't do anything of the nature that I was very scared that he was going to do. He pulled it off. He executed perfectly. Um, one best overall lifter. Uh, big time redemption meet. Uh, the other lifters that day, though, were just so... I mean, in that section, were so good. The 74s were really fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, Anas Anbar. He is... He is so fun to watch. He's, he's a very technically proficient lifter. But mm-hmm. then once that bench press rolls around... Yeah, you can't get enough of that guy's bench press. Really, when you look at his leverages too, it doesn't seem like he would be this big four hundred pound dead, uh, bencher, but he is. He is so damn proficient at that lift. Um, and then when you add in the row combo rack, he he was going to get helped, and that's what really put him into the competition hard because he had a much much bigger bench press than uh, Gabe and Ken. Yeah. And that really that really kept him competitive the entire time through. And his deadlift has improved quite a bit um, since the last time uh, I've been seeing him compete. Yeah. Now, yeah, and his, his last time he competed was Strength Classic, where the strength was there on his third dead. He just didn't have the balance at the top. He just kept going. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew, and like you were getting at, I knew he'd kind of do what he needed to do with this, like, tight battle um, and – that, that's what I talked to Gage and Aiden about as well leading up to this was that to us it was we needed to execute on everything because Anas was going to execute on everything. Mm-hmm. He's a predictable lifter. He's a mature lifter. He's got a lot of experience as a coach himself. He coaches himself. And so I, I knew there was going to be a battle there. Um, when, yeah, watching him prep is actually really fun too, specifically on bench. Because he'll just casually post his bench, and at the start of it, I'll never know how many reps he's gonna like. And some some people try to like post that to be like cool or funny, but it it I think he's just casually posting it, and it's like a really massive bench for a seventy four, and then it's like turns out he takes it for like three or four reps. I'm like, damn, like. <laughs> I want to be like this one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, that was, that was big for, I mean, watching these bench pressers at 74 is Joe was kind of nudging me the entire time to commentary. Like you learning anything here? Cause like these guys are dwarfing your bench press and their yeah. weight class below you. Uh, he's one of those guys. 
and then and, and in the bench press, uh, spicy Cajun fries. Yeah, Evan Judice got in there, and I was I was blown. Away. I was really actually blown away by his performance because that was not a guy me and Steve were talking about a lot to get into the top three. Uh, we're gonna talk maybe about dark horses a little bit later, but like he was, him and Soriano were like when we saw their lifts, like, oh, man, did we just completely miss something here? I was kind of nervous there. Like, are we going to look really stupid if one of these guys break into the top three and and we didn't even predict them or really give them the whole lot of shine that they probably deserved? Because uh, Evan was I – mean, he was in it at the very last moment there, and his bench press was super, super impressive. He finished off with um, 180 kilo deadlift and – Dude, in a local meet, if you're a 74 and you bench press 180 kilos and you have the second best bench press, yeah, there's some very good bench pressers that day. Because yeah. usually you're walking away with the best bench press. And really, that that is a national level uh, bench if you're a 74. Um, yeah, and through Evan's numbers here, he only, he missed uh, two lifts. Oh, yeah, he struggled with uh, squat depth yeah. just a bit on the second there. And I think that really hurt him going forward. Uh, because if you, if you figure that out, it, we're talking about a completely different meet, and he really loaded up that last deadlift just to pull it for victory, which I totally respect. That's what you want to do in this situation. Um, our third-place guy, Ken Nguyen, or Ken Nguyen, uh, I, I didn't ask after the meet, did he take a big weight cut, or? I don't think so. Because it was a little hope, speculation hope, in the chat from that. Hopefully not. I mean, he's... Because he also weighed in at 73. So t- typically, if you're going through a big weight cut, you still cut it close. Mm-hmm. You don't you know, like lose a whole kilo extra, right? Um, I, I think what really affected him was probably the the heat humidity. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was hot. It was humid. Like, That's something we didn't talk about. Like yeah. uh, we didn't talk about it at the initial part of the show. It was very very hot in there very humid people, it's it's hard it's a it's a hard thing for all the lifters people were changing their shirts yeah. multiple times like you you don't have to do that in a meet typically but i'm i'm talking about in be, like in between attempts on the same discipline so like changing it within 3 attempts for a specific lift um so yeah it was i was sweating while we got heat exhaustion yeah like i saw that he he was yeah i had to end up handling one of Walid's lifters uh evan orlandi who got a fifth um because like we had two of our members clients like making sure he wasn't gonna die like it was it was pretty bad so i i think that probably factored in but you combine that with a potential cut that can have mm-hmm. i i 100 agree that, that was- Back to what we were talking about earlier with Frida, I, I do think that probably factored in yeah. pretty heavily as well. Yeah, I, I, I that was the thing that we were thinking about the commentary was just, uh, all lifters who have to do a weight cut, which is most of them, uh, most of them have to do a weight cut anyways, but the the heat just does not make anything easier. Like, uh, just comment, even commentating, you have a headache, you're handling people, you're spotting and loading, you're getting tired too. Now, if you're trying to hit nine lifts and trying to total something, you know, over 1,600 pounds then it's yeah. just going to really, it's, it's going to really get to you. But, uh, yeah, he was, he, I mean, he really had to battle, uh, the entire meet Ken, uh, with his squat. Cause his opener was Rocky. I, he really, he buried his opener. I don't know if he lost any tightness by burying it yeah, so much. That was weird. He buried it. It, it was, it, it just didn't look like an opener. 
His second attempt looked like he cut it high a little bit, but it, it was, was like perfect depth, and he blew it up, and it was, it was yeah. a two white lights lift. And then the third attempt, it looked like he tried to get a little bit more depth out of it, and he wasn't able to do it. It was, it was an interesting uh, squash. I mean, he was having himself a bit of a rough day there because uh, on bench press, he had some up and down movement there too. And then towards his deadlift, he wasn't really able to figure out the balance. And yeah. I, I wouldn't call it grip. I would just say just it's – when he misses the top, I don't think it's anything with grip. I also think it's balance, lockout timing, uh, positioning off the floor. So, mm-hmm. um, And even with that, he was able to still really fight tooth and nail for third and possibly with a good deadlift yeah. second win. Yeah. No, when, when he missed his second, um, Gage was up next. And Gage saw that happen. And I could kind of see him like be like, oh yeah, like we got this now. And I was just like, no, like <laughs> especially a lifter like Ken, I was just like, no, get focused, like go execute. You have to forget about that. You didn't see that. Um, but yeah, honestly, for the most part, Gage wasn't even really like tracking on what was happening. I, I'm typical Gage, I guess. Yeah. Like, or I don't know, typical Gage, because I think he would be. It's either he would be doing it too much or not at all. Yeah, but the, be- the 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 better option is not at all. Yeah, he he probably knew he was in contention the entire time, but he didn't know how close it was, and I think he was just letting me do my job. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, another interesting thing you may not know is that Judis was actually handled by Project Strength too. Oh, nice. So, um, he reached out to me. And was like, hey, I know you're coaching Gage, so do you know of any other good handlers? Because I'm trying to podium. And I was like, fuck, I'm not even coaching Gage. And <laughs> like, I'm like handling my friend because, and I, I, I gave Gage, and I'm sorry, Aiden, but I gave Gage a hard time about that too because like Gage never asked me. But I just knew, like, <laughs> I just, I just knew it was. Yeah. Like, oh, we well, never had because I mean, we're we're in a chat, me and Aiden, and we're just like, he's in good hands with Kyle, so we're just like talking like it's yeah. a set thing, and this is like two weeks ago. No, yeah, I knew, <laughs> we were I knew still, the like, entire Kyle's time. Handling him. I knew the entire time that I was gonna end up handling him, but this is like cool. I'm saying no to money for a handle of a good lifter because <laughs> everybody just assumes that I coach and. Or, like, I'm tied in with Gage. And so uh, I, I sent it to our coaches chat and kind of checked availability and let them know of a couple other local coaches, um, including our own coaches um, from Project Strength. And so he, he did end up reaching out to uh, our other two local coaches. And um, he was handled by Asher. And that's where um, Asher and I were talking about it a lot and his numbers and the the strategy and we honestly weren't even sure if like the podium was a real thing or not for him because he's mm-hmm. still a relatively new lifter he's only been on the scene i think for maybe three years okay i, I remember seeing his first meet um up here in north houston so and he's coached by himself trains out of his garage like real stays real low-key but He's made a massive amount of progress and definitely, obviously, earned his spot. So, um, but yeah, specific to deadlift as well, Ashford hit me up a couple times of like, man, I'm not sure about his deadlift. Like, it seems like he wants to open up kind of heavy. And um, we we went through everything with him and 
Uh, I know they did make a couple adjustments. I'm not completely sure what the adjustments were, but he obviously had a, a great meet, and it was really fun to watch that. Um, that and then Evan with Andy, too, who mm -hmm. he's been with Project Strength, like, essentially since the beginning. So he's, he switched from, like, template programming um, back in 2018, 2018 or early 2019. No, it had been 2018. To, to us so he's from San Antonio but then went to he's going to college at University of Houston mm -hmm. so he'd heard about us in advance um, came up for like a his like school orientation started lifting with us at, just as a member at the gym and then started getting coached by us so I've, I've seen him go from literally like nothing to a like actual contender in his weight class. I mean, it was yeah, it was really that was uh, I think uh, as far as his second uh, flight goes because it was two flights and I, I think most of the action was in that first flight because that's when he had the females and yeah. the, uh, the the best overall males because of got good lift points it was going to be skewed towards the seventy fours. Yeah. But in the second session there, um, I think he was a definite uh, breakout performer uh, just to watch and I remember around this time last year. I think you sent him in a group chat to us. Yeah. Like, it's really great seeing this guy make some progress. And then since you posted that, I followed him. I, I remember following him, and it just hasn't stopped. Yeah. It just hasn't stopped. He's gotten better, and I know he moved up a weight class and put on a ton on his total. And, like, I, I – that's that's a, that's a really great thing for young lifters to do is move up a weight class and, like, build upon that total because, like, he can now still eat into the weight class – he now can really gain weight, and he can put on a ton of a, t uh, a ton on all three of his lifts, and he knows what he's doing as far as uh, lifting goes, right? Like that's it sounds stupid to say that, but that's that's a thing in powerlifting. When I look at him, he knows what he's doing. If he doesn't have a proper leverage on something, he works on something harder, and he tries to get the best potential out of his lifts, even though he's not blessed with uh, leverage on certain things and. That's something lifters all have to go through, and the really good ones find that. Yeah. They find what they struggle with and work on that and try to make their lifts better. He has done that, and throughout the entire meet, he just looked like he was executing everything perfectly, um, and he's a young lifter. I think he's going to be a contender in 93 coming very, very soon. He's keeps on building that momentum, keeps on making deposits. He's going to be up there. I think he was the definite breakout star of that second section. Um, but I, I was going to pick two guys here. I think I, well, I guess I'll go three because Evan was a definite breakout performer, um, almost getting himself into the top three and found himself in a position to pull for the win. But Sawyer Yandel yeah. was, cause I, I actually, I didn't, I've never, cause I, uh, got into the USAPL in 2019. Um, so like 2019 before I kind of knew lifters, but mostly I didn't like I knew the guys, right. I knew Russ, I knew Ray, I knew all these people, didn't know all the national champions and all the big lifters. Sawyer was a world champion, uh, a uh, junior national champion, he, in 66 kilos, two and a half years off, coming onto the platform, and really doing well, and just like, I mean, just like Evan, we're watching the thing, we're watching the progress, we talked about him two white lights, but we didn't really give him a shot of getting in top three, he was getting there. He was getting there into into the meet, and that was a really awesome thing to see. A guy taking two and a half years off 
and then really putting a statement meet out there where he can build off of and I think and I think just a lot of people in general are happy to see that. Yeah. I, when I see reposts going up of you know just Sawyer, just people who are fans and people who are just happy to see it, it's something that everyone could appreciate. I don't care who the fuck you are in powerlifting. If you don't appreciate a guy taking a two and a half year hiatus for a surgery, I think it was a pretty legit surgery. I think it was yeah. a, I think it was something with his knee. Yeah, knee surgery. It was a meniscus. Yeah. So yeah. like that is and coming back from that because like, that's every lifter's nightmare. Coming back from it, it's uh, if I don't care who you are in powerlifting, if you don't like that, yeah, you're not a fucking powerlifter. Like you, you have to respect that. No, and for him to squat what he squats as well, because like I even um, in the warm up room, it's like I can see the scar right before he puts on the knee sleeves, you know, and then also like remembering that as I watch him hit the squat that he hit as uh, two sixty two and a half uh, third, yeah, so massive squat especially 74 mm-hmm. technically um, proficient lifter too yeah so it it's awesome man i mean he's he's one of those like textbook lifters where he's just head down does the work you know he's not chasing the clout he's not doing anything crazy um and i i know as well like a cool part of the story too is that the injury the surgery is what also has pushed him into like the pt like in like pains all that that field so um it's cool that he's he's taken a, a huge um and like kind of devastating experience like that and then shaped it for the better for himself mm-hmm. so it, it's awesome to see that yeah yeah and then um going through some of the lists here because there was a lot of male competitors uh that day um yeah uh, marcellus williams got six there yeah um i think <laughs> I don't know how much love we're going to give him on the podcast because we gave him so much love on the commentary. It's like he's another biased guy where where he's an unofficial co-host of Two White Lights. We love him so much on Two White Lights, and it comes out in our voices when we're uh, commentating. It's either going to be Steve or it's going to be Steve and me or Joe and me who are doing commentary, and we're just going to probably always show Marcellus all the support. But I just respect how he does it because he is a – Obvious coach first. He he really promotes himself as a coach first, and uh, his athletes are extremely successful in the sport. But he goes out there, he competes, and he does all the right things. Yeah. He tries to build upon a total. Um, of course, he stays healthy, he stays fit, he's jacked. He just does everything so right. He is such, he's such a model in the sport and such a great ambassador for the sport that I think uh, more people should emulate. Yeah. More people should really study that because – it's it's one of those um, things of people get really bogged down to one thing and they kind of have those labels like, oh, he's a coach, he's a lifter, you can't be both. You can still have a good time and make progress yourself and that will help your coaching. I remember on the podcast he did with us, that was one of the conversational pieces, like, do you use it to help? It's like, is there anything as far as a competitor goes to help your coaching? And he really uses that, so... Yeah. It's a very respectful thing that he does. Uh, interesting you bring that up. Cause I had a chance to say this to Anas, and I've, I've said it to other people as well, but specifically to Anas, because the reason why, part of the reason why I did this meet as a lifter and not just a coach was because of Anas and because of Marcellus. Mm-hmm. Because like what you're getting at, it's like, I've, I've had this mental block for the longest time of cool i'm a coach first 
I'm, I'm not that competitive. I have some decent numbers, not that stellar. And I, I kind of just compete to have fun and compete because it's almost an occupational hazard, right? Mm-hmm. Like people almost expect, or it's like, all right, cool, he's a coach, but how much does he lift, right? Yeah. Which both good and bad. I can see both sides to it. But I expect to come to a meet and coach. I don't want to be a competitor and a meet that I coach so that I can focus on my lifters, on my clients. But this was a lot of fucking fun. Like, mm-hmm. it, and it was awesome. And I, I did have quite a few people reach out and be like, wait, you're actually competing too? Or they're like, wait, now you're handling the rest of the day? Like, what what the hell? But both Nas and Marcellus do that. And to me, like, this was also kind of, it, it's what they do as far as like, setting an example. And especially when I had this nerve pain and uh, issues with my arm flare up, I didn't want to pull out. And it's not like I was going to be able to pull my money back out and get a refund. So I was just like, fuck it, man. Like, especially since I'm not at that competitive level, I just wanted the nine lifts that I paid for and to have fun with my team. And actually, because there's been some lifters recently that um, haven't competed, whether it's because they've missed weight or just because whatever they're injured or had some pain like they're hurt um but to me it was like cool i signed up for this i'm finishing it out like finish what you start um but yeah it's cool to see marcellus and the nos and coaches like that that are extremely competitive and set good examples within the the powerlifting community yeah they do it the right way too because i have seen examples of coaches competing uh, the same day and then just like they have a plan for their completely lifters. ignoring. Them. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've I've seen that before, and it's actually like a terrible situation. I was yeah. I was roped into handling someone because their coach was competing, and like, hey, can you handle my guy? Yeah. I was like, who the fuck? Who who is this guy? Like, I know him, but who the fuck? Like, yeah. what what are their numbers? What's the plan here? He's like, just just uh, ask him what what he wants to hit. And then he like he really didn't know either because it was his first meet. And I'm just like throwing, pulling numbers out of my ass. Like yeah. I don't know what the hell. I'm like, you know, I'm helping him throughout the day, and I was, ha- I was, I, I have no problem handling this guy. But it's just, I know the guys like Anas, guys like you, guys like Marcellus, and anyone who does. I, I see even Joey Flex do this when we compete at the Arnold. He had handlers for his guys. Like yeah. he had handlers for his people. Uh, I know because he's he, he he's another guy who does it. He likes to compete as well, and he's good at it. He uh, he has his his team with him. He has his team handling yeah. other people. So um, it's it is it is a thing that happens in powerlifting quite a bit. But there's a right way of doing things and a wrong way of doing things. Yeah, like just going off on your it's like it's like hey, can uh, you handle this guy that he's already into his first squat? Like wait, what's going on? Like it's his third attempts and just you know. Yeah. Yeah, you've never seen his list before. Yeah, like I've yeah, never seen lists, never great. seen the projected things. It's again like I it's it's one thing that even if you're not on a party because I know people do game day coaching, right? Yeah. Like you could probably say, Hey, here's the plan for this person, call their numbers out. You don't need to see them really lift a ton in order right. to call their numbers out, but at least give me a plan. Yeah. Like, if you don't have that ready, it's like you're just you're 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 conning someone. You're no. taking their money away from them. So Yeah, I'm I've learned to be more selective honestly, over game day coaching. And, okay. But early on, it's kind of like, cool, we wanted as much experience as possible. But it it's one of those things, too, where it's like, if it's a bad experience, then it's bad on the brand, it's bad on mm-hmm. you, it's bad for the lifter, obviously. So 
Um, I, it's both me being selective over who I work with or even it's not just the lifter, but who they're coached by sometimes as well. So if I know that the coach isn't going to have a plan or if the coach is going to kind of handle things a little bit weird or take offense, if I make different calls, then I cool. I'm just going to save my time and energy, put it somewhere else. But yeah, I also do like seeing lifts ahead of time, at least following their training for a little bit, seeing like their heavy week. So I can kind of see like, all right, cool. This is what, because mm-hmm. some people can grind it out. You know? Yeah. So if you're yeah, well, it's the same thing. Like, if I was ever handling Gage, yeah, I would be so confused. Like, what? Like yeah. his last warm up looked just janky and yeah. just like strange. It looks like he's struggling with the weight on his back, but he could probably just come out and hit three lifts. Yeah. No, and I I remember for Leanne's uh, raw nats prep for 2019, I actually drove to San Antonio multiple times just so I could see her lifts in person, mm-hmm. and yeah, I. I know people were kind of like questioned, like, why are you spending time, money, all that to make that trip? But to me, especially because we're kind of a younger coaching crew and that's our first potential national champion and was, um, to me, it was important to make sure that I saw those lifts in person so that I had the experience of like, all right, cool, this is how it moves. Or let's get some in-person work versus just complete remote and sending videos to her and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, game day coaching is fun, but not when it's set up like that, like last minute. No, no, for sure. Uh, that's that's. I mean, also if you're doing it for free, it kind of yeah. sucks even harder. Yeah. Uh, like I did that one time, but um, yeah. So I, you know, I guess we can wrap it up there with the uh, Texas Barbell Syndicate Summer Open, a fantastic, fantastic prime time meet. Um, a lot of people were asking me if they were going to do this again next year. So whenever someone asks if that's going to happen, that means something's good is going on there. Yeah. So. Uh, hopefully we see it again. We see more primetime meets. Um, I think as far as two white lights go, uh, Cal State Championships in California. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I think, the next one we're going to be at. Um, I don't think it's going to have the same type of primetime session. I think I'll just be commentating that. So that's something uh, we're going to get a little bit more content on soon. Um, and I guess uh, with the looming showdown IPF Worlds, one of those meets is going to happen to its full capacity, and the other one isn't. Actually, if IPF Worlds happens, uh, the showdown gets better. Or it doesn't happen, the showdown gets better. Because then yeah. Action Roscoe is probably going to do the showdown because he signed up for it already. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, that that's going to be interesting to see those developments going forward as far as meets go. Um, thank you, like always, coming yeah. on the show. You are an unofficial co-host, so... Yeah, might might be easier now that you're in Houston. This so. is very easy. Yeah, this is this is. I just had to drive ten minutes over here and yeah, uh, just bring my laptop. And also, we are we are working on getting equipment, uh, for an upgraded studio and our just upgraded equipment in general. Uh, Mark had the greatest podcast studio I've ever seen. Yeah. I messaged him today asking what exactly he has. So. Yeah, remember, guys, you guys, you guys can donate to Two White Lights if you want to see it, because I'm assuming it's way more expensive than I thought it was going to be, because yeah. that was some high, high, heavy-duty equipment, but I was I just fell in love with it. So uh, we'll be working on that as we are in Houston. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.